Welcome to the Upstarts and Disruptors podcast, presented by Alan Mukwenha. On this show, we interview entrepreneurs running growing businesses and changing the world. We discuss how they started, how they overcome hurdles and the tools they use so we can learn from them. Listen to our podcast and be inspired to join the entrepreneurship revolution. This week on the Upstarts and Disruptors podcast, we have Gospel N. Waffer, CEO of Karata. Karata is a mobility startup from Nigeria. Gospel has had an interesting journey. He shared interesting insights on building a business and the right mentality for growth. Gospel also shared tips for navigating this difficult environment in Africa and how to network and create a supportive community around your business. It's a truly great episode. Over to Alan Mukwinha, our host. Gospel Nwafo, CEO of Karada. Welcome to the Upstarts and Disruptors podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for making the time. Maybe we can start off with a bit of background on yourself, what has been your journey that has led you to this point? My name is Juan for Gospel, as you rightly said, and I'm the CEO of Carada Mobility Limited. So all my life, I've always been interested in um, mobility, cars, transportation. And uh, when I started my first company, it was essentially an automobile company, um, a service delivery company for cars. And along the line, my business sort of pivoted in 2019. So we started offering uh, B2B, B2C services for our customers and provided them with, you know, those substrata of mobility needs that were, that would aid their, their daily commuting around Nigeria. And then I started Carada Mobility in that same to, to 2019 to focus more on mobility service delivery. And then we're also pivoting to technology. So what is your business model? So Carada has currently developed a product. We, we, we built, we developed a product called The Drive. Our business model before now is we help our customers, both corporate entities and individual bodies, hire drivers. So we're more like a recruitment agency, right? But this time we are focused more on drive for organizations and individuals. Now, sometime last year, we came to realize that for efficiency, uh, a lot of customers wouldn't want to keep drivers every day of the week, every day of the month. So I came up with a product called Drive. Drive is what I call the flip side of Uber. So let me explain this. You know how Uber would offer you on-demand taxi services. So when you need a cab, you just open an app, right? right. And then you can... Yeah. So our own service now is to cater for the, the group of people who own cars. So Uber caters to people who don't own cars primarily. Yes. While um, Drive, um, Drive by Carada caters to our customers who own cars, right? And wants drivers to chauffeur them on demand. So what do I mean? Instead of keeping a driver 30 days a month and paying, say, $200, Right. You're getting it for as little as $2 an hour or $3 an hour. And then you can dispose of the driver and then heal another driver who is closest to you just when you need that one. Right. So yeah. your recruitment is not for long-term hires, but for drivers that are needed on short-term basis whenever they yeah. use Is that correct? Yeah. So, 
Yes, and, and the, the whole idea is to make it faster and more efficient for our customers. So it's also going to be driven by an app, right? right. So we onboard the drivers on the back end, we train them, we test them, right? We certify that they are worthy and fit to drive, and then we onboard them. And they are going, the, the, the GPS locations will also help our customers know the closest driver to them at any point in time, their specialties, their ratings, their reviews. So just think of it as the Uber service. But this time now, instead of drivers showing up at your house with, instead of people showing up at your house with cabs, you just have a driver coming to drive your own car to your destination. All right, quite interesting. And it's the first such model that I've seen in transportation and mobility. How did the idea come up? So I, like I said, we control a lot of drivers. Currently we have about almost a thousand drivers in our database, right? As many agencies. Yeah, it's actually that, that, that many. We, we, we actually don't talk about it a lot because I've tried to keep the company as you know, down low as possible. So on one of those occasions, I, I love to drive myself, right? So I've never had a need for a driver. But then I fell ill. I took ill for a couple of days and I had a lot of things to do, meetings, I had to be at the office. And up until this time, all we're just doing was a regular business model, right? We help people, we get their drivers on a long-term basis, we manage their drivers, manage their fleet of vehicles. And so I took one of the drivers from our database and I said, how would you like to make money on a daily basis? And he said, yeah, sure, that works. Mm. And I said, okay, fine. And he was, a, I tested the business model with myself. And I found out I would I didn't need him for 30 days of the month because I was only ill for four days. So he only drove me around for four days and he made a couple of bucks and it was easy. And so we're thinking, the unemployment rates are high. How about we create more job opportunities with this? So we said, let's try it out in an area that is less densely populated. Currently, our business is the federal capital territory of Nigeria, which is Abuja. And in Abuja here, the, the consumer mentality, people like to drive their cars. So ideally, our business cannot thrive in where our headquarters is located. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I mean, the on-demand business model. But we tested it here and we had um, an impressive success rate. And so we did a simulation in a more congested city. So I didn't mention it earlier, but our primary business goal is also to enable people move easier, people who own cars, to move easier and quicker in very densely populated areas. So we simulated the business model in Lagos, Nigeria, which is a commercial hub of Nigeria. And in Lagos, Nigeria, the average Lagosian sits in traffic at least four hours a day, four hours a day. You understand? So we have people, that's a lot of time, right? And there is over 5 million, as of 2018, there are 5 million registered private car owners in Lagos state, right? So we're we're thinking about it and we're saying, how about we enable small-scale business owners? How about we enable bank executives? How about we enable CEOs commute faster, right? So instead of spending all that downtime in traffic, instead of waiting that much time and not being productive, how about we get, we, we provide a service where people can come and pick up your car and take it to the mechanic workshop, for instance, to have it fixed because of the downtime in traffic, or you're too tired after work. And you can just hail the next driver who might even be in the same office building as you to take you home, right? So it's a cab, it's a car sharing and a driver hailing service in one. And so I tested it here in Abuja and it worked perfectly. And 
even without technology. We didn't even test it with technology. What we just did was we onboarded drivers who were ready to drive on demand, put them in a Google sheet, right? And right. then put out a note to say, if you needed a driver, you're too drunk to go home after a Friday night party, hit us up and we'll get you one. So the only difference without technology is they make the bookings ahead of time and they can get their drivers for a specific number of hours and then we build them, right? So it's a very uh, easy business model to execute. So that was actually how we, we, we pivoted or we're trying to pivot now to technology. Right, no, it's quite an interesting business model, I must, I must say. Regarding your drive to be an entrepreneur, is, is, is that spark always been within you? Or was it because of circumstances that you ended up becoming an entrepreneur? What, what has been that journey? So for my co-founders and I, as a co-founders to Carada, uh, our drivers um, when we started the company was to make um, a difference, to make things easy for people. So let me give you a little bit of a background. Um, a lot of people become entrepreneurs because they want to, they don't have food to eat. Right. Or, you know, they just need something to be doing. Especially if you, if you come from um, an environment like Nigeria where there's really no jobs, I mean, available because of the economic situation. But for me, I started my companies because one, I wanted to be happy doing what I was doing. So it wasn't necessarily about the money. Even when I ran my, my first company, when, when I built my first business, it wasn't necessarily about, because I was fresh out of school. So I was probably, you know, I was very highly employable by any employer out there. Yeah. And so when we started Canada, um, actually two of, two of my co-founders, my head of uh, my VP Tech Solutions and my head of operations, actually left their jobs so they were comfortable so we're just trying to we're trying to we're trying to build something we're trying to we're trying to build something that that works for the nigerian market we're trying to build something that works for the african market and with carada it's all about making mobility much much easier so for most of my co-founders we're all in our comfortable places like hey let's come and start a company and let's try and see how much how much we can ease commuting within Nigeria, especially around the around our best, very densely populated cities that have very high um, traffic congestion uh, rates. Right. So one of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs in Africa face is lack of capital. How are you able to yeah. raise funding and get the business? So the, the thing is, when we started, of course, it was it, it, it's a business that you can bootstrap, but only bootstrap to such a point, right? Yeah. Which is also one of the issues where one of the things we're currently facing. Only so much, because with mobility, you have to deal with numbers. And if you want to keep breaking in the numbers, you have to be able to prove efficiency. So let me give you an example. Right. If we can, if we have 100 drivers on our database, and we are pairing a hundred drivers every day on our database. By database, I mean our regular Google Sheets, no technology. We just have um, an executive who takes calls and then transfers it to the operations department who can now pair the drivers, right? right. Now, if, we, if we are doing that a hundred a day, I can guarantee you that by the time we reach 200 customers, no, let me even say if we are doing 10 a day, I can guarantee you that by the time we get to 50 customers, we're going to be much slower mm -hmm. because because it's going to take a lot more time now to coordinate the calls and for operations to dispatch these drivers right on time. And if we wanted to be more efficient, we will need to employ more physical labor, which doesn't make sense because then that's burning your cash flow into overhead costs, which is not necessary. So yes, in the beginning, we could bootstrap. It was, it was much easier to pair drivers with you know, people who needed them on demand. But then as the numbers keep going up, 
efficiency goes down. And when efficiency goes down, customer usage goes down. So we started a fundraising joint to see if we could use a pre-seed capital to build the technology and further expand into, you know, areas that, you know, would enable us to service more customers and increase our revenue. And that's what we're still on. So actually, it's not been very easy, you know, raising the venture capital that we need from angels and VCs. But I'm trusting that I'm hopeful that, you know, we'll, we'll make some progress with that. Okay, thanks. So where are you on that journey of raising money from uh, angel investors and venture capital companies? We we haven't actually raised any round at all. Up until now, December till date, um, we have been... We have been funding out of, you know, we've been bootstrapping and then funding from out of pocket, which is not very profitable. Right now, we are having a ton of investor conversations probably every other week, seeing which is a good fit for us. We have a number of leads and we're still open to talk to a number of uh, other investors to see, you know, if they're willing to come on this journey in the pre-seed fundraising round that we're going through. Right. So a lot of African entrepreneurs that face the same challenge of raising finance have never played within the angel investor venture capital field. How, how does it work? Where does one start? My personal advice is if you can't bootstrap, and I understand a lot of people may not be able to bootstrap, venture capitals will not be a very good place, especially right. if you're a startup in Nigeria. I would really advise to start with angels. And by angels, I mean family, friends, celebrities. Those are the easiest places to raise a little bit of cash flow, even if it's $10,000, right? Right. To keep you on a bond rate where you can put a team together and start thinking of the next thing to do. Because it can be very frustrating when you don't have money at all, you know, to do anything. I have such a good business idea. And there's a ton of business ideas out there. Right. So for a lot of us in Africa, Nigeria particularly is very difficult raising. And I would advise people to stick with angels and not go for venture capital because the venture capitals, when they come, they come very hungry. So mm. if you're lucky to land a venture capitalist who is ready to invest in your business model in the very early stages, be ready to part with a large or a substantial part of your equity. Right. Um, right. Because at that time, you probably don't have a technology on ground. You probably also don't have cash flow to prove your business model. And then a lot of people, you know, tend to believe that Nigeria is also a very risky place to invest, except business models like ours that can thrive outside of Nigeria. If your business model is such that it services just the Nigerian market, it's also going to be very difficult. So when people want to give you $100,000 in your pre-seed, they're probably taking 70% of, the, of your company or 60% because of the kind of risk that you're, you know, they are taking, investing in your company. So I would advise people to stick with angels. If you have family friends while you're bootstrapping, if you have family friends, celebrities, uncles, aunties, daddy, mommy, wherever you can raise that cash flow, I advise uh, business owners down here to raise that kind of money from them. All right, no, thanks for that advice. Are there any resources or tools that you think are underutilized by African entrepreneurs that could improve their chances of success? In fundraising generally or in, in building their businesses? In, I meant in building their businesses generally. So, of course, I can't speak for business environment because there are tools that would aid mobility that would not aid financial technology. There are tools that would aid businesses that are, you know, 
in media and advertising that will not necessarily work. What I would just advise is if there, if there, if there, if there, I think every entrepreneur should be ready and hungry to search for things out there. There are a number of there are a number of documents out there. I, I can't remember what they are called exactly, but they have a, a wealth of portfolio of investors. That's actually how we reached out to investors, right? There is also a company based in called Sophos. I don't think a lot of Nigerian entrepreneurs know about them. So what they do is they use LinkedIn to run what you call it investor campaigns for you. So okay. what they basically do is you pay them and then they launch campaigns. So they are basically putting angels, VCs within your industry and then there are automated messages through your LinkedIn that would now fill your investor calendar, that will fill your calendar with investor conversation. So it's a perfect fit. For us, when we paid for it, we're probably taking like maybe 75 calls a week. And oh, it wow. also puts your business out there. Yeah, it puts your business out there. So we haven't gotten any investors from SoFos, but so far there's a lot of people who are interested in talking. And then we've met a lot of top shots who have said, uh, we've met a lot of top shots who through SoFos who have said, oh, we love your business model, but we think A, B, C, D, and E should be done. And then we we'll go back to drawing but and we morph it and we morph it. So yeah, I, I think anybody listening, I think so far should be a very good fit, especially if you're fundraising. If you're not fundraising and you're also, you know, running a business model that has to, that has to do with the database, do not underestimate your, your Google sheet. I mean, it's it looks, you know, very easy, but if you really just want to put a lot of data in one place, bird's eye view. I also think that's a good place to start. That's how we started, right? So we didn't go looking for servers or anything. The Google Sheet was just it. So when we create a front end from our website, people sign up, our drivers sign up, and then their, doc, their data is automatically translated to the, to the Google Sheet doc, right? And from there, we are able to dispatch drivers to here, to there, to everywhere. So what you're saying is start where you are with the resources that you have, and networking exactly. is incredibly important. Exactly. More, more than ever. So one of the things we've also leveraged on is as a company, even before we pivoted to technology, test your business model outside of technology. Mm. Try and see if five to 10 people can use that service without an app, right? So with us, we've also worked with a lot of mobility startups here in Nigeria, providing them with the drivers that they need. We've worked with, um, partially worked with Bolt, which is for, for formerly known as Taxify. We've worked with um, Plenty Worker, now known as Trips. They're an indigenous bus hailing service here in Nigeria, who's just raised a million, about $2 million now in their series round. And um, we've helped them with managing their fleet and also recruiting and, you know, managing their drivers. So we know our business model thrives without technology. And we also play with people within the same industry. So most of the companies I call now are mobility companies that are powering mobility with technology. That way you see how their business is being run. You know what exactly you need. Um, and you know, you know how to navigate everything. So yes, your networking is very key. I wanted to take you back to the LinkedIn outreach company because that is really uh, interesting and it's, I didn't know of such a service myself. Could you spell the name of the company that offers that service? Their company is called Sophos, S-O-F-O-S. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, Sophos. So they, they, they help. Sophos has a very amazing success rate. It's pretty pricey, but they, they have an amazing success rate with helping founders close, you know, partnerships and funding, right? What it basically does is it puts your business out there on a massive scale. You're not doing the talking. You're not looking for the investors. Sophos has a wealth of investors and um, influential people 
even though they're not investors. These are people that can take a look at your business model and tell you, hey, look, I love your business model, but I think you should do A, B, C, and D. I mean, we're talking with people from Argentina, Italy, America, Canada, even people who don't speak English. So first, is that voracious when it comes to fundraising? So I think companies should, um, um, entrepreneurs should actually take a look at it. It should, oh, I think if, if you're also bootstrapping, let have a budget for these kind of things. Campaigns would help you quicker than you running around for investors by yourself, right? Um, so probably have a budget for it um, because they're, they're pretty expensive um, in their monthly and quarterly and yearly plans. But I believe that if you run so fast with like six months or eight months, even if you haven't raised the fund, you would have very good leads and people you're talking to. And most of the times, the investors don't come directly from who you meet on Sophos. Mm-hmm. They probably come from somebody who knows the person you're talking to. So you're talking to some venture or some partner at venture capital. Like, okay, and they'll tell you, well, sorry, we're not uh, investing at the time, but I know another venture capitalist who is investing and would be interested in your business model. And from there, you have like six, seven different people from you know, one person. And it just keeps you busy talking to investors and morphing your business plan. Yeah, no, it's it's quite important. And any tool that can help African entrepreneurs is something that we should encourage because most often in conversations with entrepreneurs, the issue of funding comes to the fore as one of the biggest challenges that they have to overcome. So thank you so yeah. much for that insight. You're welcome. I wanted to ask about your role models. Where do you get your inspiration? So quite frankly, my role models are a lot of them, especially in my business environment, um, are people within my industry, people I can access very um, easily. And so a lot of my role models who are top CEOs in their tech companies are people that I can pick up my phone and call. They're people who have made a success of what they're trying to do. I also, I mean, of course, I love the, the tech shots, the Elon Musk, the, I love Bezos, right? He's done an amazing job with Amazon, right? right. And then building something into really big. But I have people like Mr. Johnny Anagolo here in Nigeria, mm. um, who is co-founder of Trips. And I have the president and CEO of Trips, Mr. He's built successful businesses in Nigeria and he's taking mobility technology to a whole different level. I mean, something like we've never seen before, you know, with Uber and Boat, he's done something massive and they've just launched Ghana now and I'm so excited for them. And so, yeah, pretty much. All right. Do you have ambitions of launching in other African countries as well? Have you looked at other African markets? Oh, yes, definitely. So if you want to thrive in Nigeria, I think the moment you settle down, you do your like your first one year here, you should be looking at expanding very quickly. And so you're either building a business model that services as many countries as possible, or you build a business model that services Nigeria and build other sub-business models, right? Or more for the sub-business models that can service other African countries in the same industry. And that's what I've learned to do. Um, make sure your business model, make sure you can pick up your technology and go to Rwanda tomorrow if possible. Make sure your technology can be deployed in somewhere like Ghana or South Africa, right? Because our problems are about the same thing. And so a little tweak here and a little tweak there, you should be able to transfer, you know, a business plan or a business model to somewhere else. So yes, we're looking at settling down in other countries as soon as we finalize um, Nigeria here, first and foremost. Okay, thanks. What, what are your favorite books? What literature has influenced, if any, influenced the way you view life, the way you think, 
and the way you approach businesses in Africa. In all honesty, if I've got to be honest, I am not so much of an avid reader when it comes to books. I've read a number of books by some people. I'm, I'm not a book person. Right. Um, what, 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 what I would say would have helped me in my growth is the people that I have, you know, been with throughout my journey. I, I once had had the opportunity of sitting down with someone who exited his company at two hundred million dollars, right? Wow! And so, yeah, here in Nigeria, and then you're meeting people like people who have worked for unicorns, the first unicorn here in Nigeria. So, the truth is, um, I've read a number of books, right? But at the end of the day, I, I feel for me, what what has worked most of the time is the kind of people, the kind of network I've built in human beings who can you know, take me through practical examples of what they've been through from the day they started their company to the day their company failed, right? I've met a lot of people who have also started businesses and put in a million dollars in it and it didn't work out, right? I have, you know, those kind of people here in Nigeria and outside of Nigeria in the US and the UK and Canada. And so personally, that's what works for me. Yeah. Do you have any networking tips? Yeah, I'm quite intrigued that you've been able to meet with people that are so successful that have helped to enrich you. Do you have any tips for someone that wants to be similarly connected? What has worked for you? Uh, so I, I don't know about other people, but I talk a lot. And by talking a lot, I don't mean I'm talkative, but I am very eager to share my ideas mm. and I'm very eager to listen to people. So you find me in forums talking about things I like. I'm part of the largest car community in Nigeria, right? Mm. And that's just because I like to share my love cars too right so i think for me i'd advise people speak as much as you can fill your linkedin profile your twitter right mm-hmm. with what you're working on there was this guy i met in the u.s who's working on a similarly business business model as ours but not quite the same deliver we're just talking about i, I, I was just going through twitter so I, I follow a lot of venture capital tweets on twitter All and right. then i, I it was fundraising and he said it was fundraising for a mobility startup he was he was running and so I got into his, his DMs and we started talking and that was it. We've been friends ever since. It's been over a year now. And for every single process of his fundraising journey, I've also been a part of it and he's been a part of mine, right? So speak to as many people as much as you can, right? Talk to as many people as possible. Write about it, tweet about it. Get to know what people think about it, right? That way you get to meet people who, who, who operates your, your, your sphere of influence. And these are p- probably people who have done it better than you about to do it and then it can help you. What are your favorite productivity tools? What do you use to keep yourself focused? I'm the kind of person who wouldn't sleep until I got certain things out of the way. So I don't think I need tools to be productive. I mean, I'm 23 years old, I'm 23 next month. And I've, I've, I've done quite a lot in, in the very little time that I've had to run two businesses here in Nigeria. And so I'm, I, I am a very active person. By active, I mean I'm, my brain is very actively working for most of the time. So I don't, I don't think there are productivity tools I would say I need, you know, to keep myself focused. I just know that there is work. I have sticky notes. I have, you know, things. I have, you know, things in my notepad that needs to be done. I just get them done. All right. No, fantastic. What advice would you give to your younger self? If, I, if we could take you back... Chasing revenue as a business owner, or are you talking as a business owner, as a person, as a human being generally? Well, as a business owner, I think you were about to share something interesting there. But if you would would something general, that's also fine. 
So yeah, chasing revenue for me. So you know how you you stumble on a very good business idea and then you try out a part of it and then you say that there is money in it. Um, but it's not quite what you're trying to build. And so you just start to chase revenue. It can be very decept- uh, deceitful, right? It can be very deceptive. So yeah, maybe I'll tell myself some one year ago to have spent more time building a team. I should have spent more time developing a more stable business model that would thrive on its own, regardless of if I had to work from office to office to office to office to try and sell my business, right? And a product that with a little bit of marketing and a little bit of marketing push, it's out there on the market. To my younger self as a person, I would say I should not have dated as an as an early founder. I don't think, I don't know if this is necessary, but <laughs> I, just, I think very focused founders in the very early stages should stay away from relationships. Especially if you're an African founder, I think I would advise you to stay away from relationships. It's, it could be distracting, especially if you're not dating someone who quite understands how the, the job is. It, it comes with a lot of distractions. Right. Those are quite uh, interesting lessons. I'm intrigued by the one on uh, not chasing revenue. What sort of experience yeah. uh, did you have? Did, it, did you end up growing too fast? What problems did you encounter as a result of chasing revenue? So, I always tell people, sentiment never sells your business. Value sells your business. Mm. So you can be making, say, $100 a day, right, in revenue. And that seems like good money. But if there is no value to the business model, Mm. right, over time, you're going to burn out. Somebody else is going to come out and do exactly what you're doing at a much cheaper price. And then you realize um, you're out of the market. And by then, it's going to be a bit more difficult to morph. So we had that problem too. When we started, I started Carada to function as a mobility technology company. And all the money we had in the beginning, what we were doing was we're using the money to chase after people say, oh, hey, organization A or company A, let's recruit your drivers. Let's um, train your drivers for a fee. Let's do this. Let's manage your fleet. And we're just burning out a ton of money trying to get some business knowing fully well that and we kept saying okay after a couple of months we're going to pivot and we're going to pivot by the time we're ready to pivot our cash flow had dropped drastically now looking back i'm like why was i spending this kind of money you know trying to get some business when i could spend this kind of money you know making some progress and building the technology because that's part of the problem we're having now we don't have is sustainable we don't have a technology that we can even deploy for our for beta testing right now right so we spend a ton of money trying to get business and forgetting that the whole idea was to build a mobility tech company now it's time to pivot right and then you don't have the kind of money you used to have a couple months back and then you're looking at your cash flow yes money has been coming in but then the amount of money you spend on logistics overhead salaries bills utilities right those things pretty much eat into your revenue and then if you understand mobility you understand mobility doesn't exactly have a lot of you know profit that comes with it the profitability is in the numbers ask people like uber i mean uber didn't turn a profit until when i mean maybe like after 10 years yeah. right a lot Correct. of companies in mobility yeah they a lot of them even most of them are spoken to in the us most of them don't expect to turn a profit in 
say 10 years, when we had done our whole entire business model canvas, we had done our financials, we're not going to turn a profit in six, seven years at the very best, if things go according to projection. So the, the more you chase revenue, the farther away from what you're trying to build you are, and then that's a problem. And then because then over time, you just start to realize that you should be doing something else and not what you're doing. Yeah, that is uh, quite good advice. And it probably comes, it's called, it will probably seem counterintuitive to a lot of entrepreneurs. But if you look at the successful businesses, you're right. They spend time getting traction and working on their product before focusing on revenue and profit. Yeah, yeah. So I always, I always try to tell people, your, your, as long as your business can prove that customers would need it at any point in time, you're good, you're good to go. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. But the moment you start, you know, earning some dollars, some naira, some cobalt, some cents here and there, you start to get distracted, and then that becomes a problem. And so you just realize that people are not doing what they set out to do, and then eventually it's like, okay, fine, let's just do what we want to do. So focusing on uh, revenue is, is a major problem. One of my tech founder friends, Onyeka, the one I mentioned to you about, uh, that was one of the very key lessons he told me when he realized my business model was too focused on money. Mm. Too focused on money is Right. Where can people connect with you? On- my Twitter is 14 underscore gospel. Same with my Instagram, 14 N-W-A-F-O-R underscore G-O-S-P-E-L. Same with my Instagram and same with my LinkedIn. Pretty much. That's it. All right. No, thank you so much, Gospel. Do you have any other advice? You probably didn't cover starting up a business now. This is mostly to African entrepreneurs. It's never right. easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy. When I mean it's not easy, we don't have government policies that favor startups. We don't have enough venture capitalists here. We don't have enough investors, right. and we have problems that plague us in financial technology, media advertising, mobility, literally every other sector. Right, regardless of whether your business is technology based or not. I would really advise um, you to keep building, right? We've had our very low points. We've had our very high points. Regardless mm. of one customer, 10 customers, 15 customers, if you have value to your product, something is going to happen someday. You just be on your own and you raise like, I don't know, 300K, 500K, like get your business off the ground. But it's very, very, very easy to lose focus. It's very, very easy to get, to be, to be swayed by the situation. Mm. You know, I had businesses who started in Nigeria and then um, the government will stop one day and the entire business model is upside down. Right. Right? I would advise people, especially African entrepreneurs, Nigeria, I don't know if there's any Nigerians listening to this podcast, try and build an asset light company. Mm. A company that is as asset light as possible, especially if your technology, if your technology stick with technology, try and 80-90% of your business model should center around technology. Now, when we started, we tended to start buying cars, right? And, you know, wanted to do a car rental service, a self-drive service. That would work in the UK. But that's very tricky to work in Nigeria because the assets are very expensive. And then if something happens to your business model tomorrow, you have millions of dollars or billions of naira in assets. Right. And that's like a huge loss, especially if you have people investing in your company. So try and build asset light company um a company that you know thrives more on the technology and the services as opposed to the assets 
Yeah, that is uh, quite insightful advice. Thank you so much, Gospel, for making the time to be with us. I've really learned a lot from your inspiring journey, and I really wish you and Karad uh, all the best of success. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. So cheers, Gospel. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's episode of the Upstarts and Disruptors podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss our next episode. We would also appreciate it if you could share the show with your network so that together, we can continue to grow entrepreneurship in Africa. Have a great week.